0: This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel, glad to have you with us here as we are deep diving into some college football today on the show. We have some news coming out uh, of the SEC. Also going to dive into what I'm kind of excited to talk about. Who are the best coaches in college football? The best coaches. Because to quote B.J. Bennett, words mean things. And so P.J. Zuko and I are going to break that down coming up a little bit. But I've got something on my heart that I want to talk about here today. And no, it's not the Braves just massacring the Mets 13-1 last night, even though I could do that. I I could absolutely do that. But I'm sure uh, Kevin and B.J. and them fellas are going to be doing that. Plenty coming up on three and out. So I do have something on my heart that I want to talk about today. And that is the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, they may be... mm, I don't know. One of the top, would you say, four to five most talked about teams this offseason? A lot of because Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban spat that they had, but a lot of it because, you know, you beat Alabama last year. So that just, that makes you the number two contender in the West. Or number one contender, I should say, in the West. You know, you beat them.
1: Forget about the rest of the season. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Beat,
0: yeah, you beat them. Yeah. Al. Texas A&M, number one contender to Alabama. That's just going to be a war uh, when they play each other in October. Must see football. I've seen that like on every must-watch game, mm-hmm. and not for the reason that I think it might be a must-watch game. But so what I want to start today to talk about is, I think, and this is interesting because looking at yesterday's AP poll release, you could say this about a lot of teams. I think far and away, Texas A&M is the most overrated team heading into this season. I think you could potentially say Georgia because they're still number three and there's a lot of question marks on that team. But I think what a lot of people are looking at is the recruiting classes and the players that Georgia has coming back and saying, no, nah, that's still one of the top three, four, five teams in the country. Like, I think it would be fair if someone was like, ah, I don't know. I feel like Clemson maybe is a little bit better. Like, all right. I'm here for that. I I probably wouldn't go as far as like saying Notre Dame's better because that is a ginormous question mark. But <laughs> I could hear the argument saying maybe Georgia's a little bit overrated. But I think Texas A&M coming into this season vastly overrated. A lot of people are looking at this team like they got an NFL quarterback coming back and they have great offensive line and defensive line and uh, they should they should be competing for a spot in Atlanta. They don't have any of that. As far as I know right now, Haynes King. Mm-hmm. Looking like he could be the guy that's leading Texas A&M. If it's not him, it's Max Johnson, who transferred away from LSU with Brian Kelly coming in. Right, right. A pretty heavy, I'd say, upgrade at the coaching position. Yeah. And so I don't think Max Johnson left because he was like, man, I just uh, I want to go to a better coach. I think he probably left because he wants to play. Yep, yep. And so I'm looking at Texas A&M, and I'm looking at how highly they're rated. And I'm looking through their team, and I'm saying, I I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm, I'm just I'm curious. I'm, that's just it's. I've been looking at everything, and this is the time of year where we get the useless rankings. Yeah, and this is a great example of it. But we also start getting the releases of, hey, these are must-watch games, and I keep seeing Alabama and Texas A&M pop up.
1: And yeah, it, you've already mentioned a couple of the reasons. Like like you said, everyone's putting a lot of stock in the fact that. Hey, Texas A&M beat them last year. They're the ones, right? Uh, also, something that people forget about, especially like in the media. Now, I'll say, is is one of these teams going to try and get some bulletin board material possibly out of, you know, what transpired during the offseason? Yeah, it might be said. It might be mentioned. But I think sometimes people forget that like time passes, and sometimes people look back on stuff and they're like, yeah, that, that, that was kind of dumb. Like, we don't really care about that anymore. And I feel like almost both of these teams, I don't know about the coaches, probably Nick Saban was, was over it, like, the next day. Yeah. But <laughs> something tells me Jimbo wasn't just because, like, Jimbo seems like a salty person. But all in all, I feel like the majority of those programs, like, even now, are already like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, yeah, that's what we're, we're getting ready for the season. We want to win games. Like the only people, <laughs> the only people who are circ- circling this and saying that that's going to be such a huge game and fun game to watch because of that reason yeah. are, are the media and fans who just like dive into it way too much. So I'll say that. Um, secondly, I, I, I completely agree with you. Like there's so many different arguments that, that can be had about any of that stuff, right? Like, If someone wants to argue against you, they could say the same thing that you just brought up about Georgia. Yeah, but look at our recruiting classes. They've been pretty good over the past couple years. It was amazing this year. Like, okay, that doesn't mean it's going to automatically translate to the field. That doesn't mean that. Right? So one of the reasons I believe in Georgia is because it has for them. Like, they're not only getting great recruits, but they're also putting out production with those recruits on the field almost immediately. So I, I, in turn... Rate them higher and believe in them more because it's happened in the past. I'm looking at Texas A&M and seeing things that happened in the past and saying, "Yeah, that's that's why I think they're pretty overrated right now." Sure, they beat Alabama. They had their number last year. They also lost a few other games that they shouldn't have lost and weren't weren't in the SEC uh, championship because of that. You know, uh,
0: so, so I got a few things for you from the AP, and I get, I, I understand preseason rankings are stupid. And sure. they're gonna they're they're just there because us as viewers
1: this is one of my favorite things to talk about yeah is it, overrated teams but it's just but
0: it's just it's there because for us as viewers we like it better when we can say oh cool number three Georgia's playing number eleven Oregon yeah. versus just saying Georgia's playing Oregon that's awesome it's like nah, yeah, that's amazing it has to be number three against number eleven and then you go back and here's why I really think it's stupid and you probably shouldn't do rankings until like like at least week four when we have like an actual good sample size is. Then teams can go back and say Oregon just blows this year, just is terrible, right? And I don't expect that to happen, but say it's the case. Yeah, Georgia then at the end of the year when they're comparing their resume with everyone else and say, oh, we well, we got a top eleven win uh, to start the season to go along with everything else. It's like, yeah, but Oregon like finished six and six. It's like, yeah, but you know, then at though, the time, yeah, yeah, top eleven win. And I know I use that stat all the time because I think what. Uh, LSU had like nine top fifteen wins yeah. uh when they won their national championship. Like it's it, it goes both ways, but it is one of those things. I think the preseason rankings are dumb. Yep. For this reason. So when you look at the top twelve teams, only one team had single digit wins last year. Can you tell me who that team is?
1: Only one team had single digit wins, wins last
0: year. With in, in like every team in the top twelve had at least ten wins last year. Right. Only one team had less than that.
1: Oh, it was definitely an SEC school. Texas A&M is yeah. who we're talking uh, about. Makes sense. They're the
0: only team with less than 10. Most of the teams, like you go Alabama 13, Georgia, uh, Ohio State 11, Georgia 14, Clemson had 10 wins last year, Notre Dame had 11, Texas A&M 8, Utah 10, Michigan 12, Oklahoma 11, Baylor 12, Oregon 10, Oklahoma State 12. Like These are teams that were playing for conference championships last mm-hmm. year, right? Then Texas A&M why yeah like honest to god i'm looking at their schedule they start with sam houston state they should win that game i'm telling you Texas texana fans if you look past app state you are doing yourself a disservice Mm -hmm. should you be able to just turn around hand the football off and win that football game absolutely if you try to use that as an opportunity to get your offense clicking you could be in trouble in that game and then after that your schedule goes like this miami at home arkansas and dallas at Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina, Ole Miss, Florida, at Auburn. Brutal.
1: Just back to back to back to back.
0: <laughs> this uh, 8 and 4 this year would be a win. Yeah. And you talked <laughs> yeah. about the recruiting class. Yeah, Walter Nolan's a dude playing on the defensive line. Also a freshman. He's a yeah. baby. Right. How many times do you see freshman defensive linemen in the SEC coming and making an impact? Much less like quarterbacks, wide receivers, DBs. That's fine, but I'm talking about you're a guy and you're playing against Arkansas's offensive line and you were going to your prom a few months ago. Yeah. That's different, man. No. You do not see that a lot. Nope. It took Jordan Davis, a guy who's now making headlines all over the NFL, it took him until his junior and senior year to where he really found his stride and he kind of started seeing it his sophomore year, but certainly not as a freshman. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm looking at texas a and i A&M, I'm thinking, man. six. It's crazy. Dude, what that it's crazy. means to me is you think if they played everybody underneath them, they would win.
1: Right. And I think yeah.
0: right now, if you play the team directly underneath them, Utah Utah's beating them by two or three touchdowns.
1: I'd agree. Right? They, like, I, not to get into it, maybe not that controlling, but yeah, I definitely pick Utah in that game for sure.
0: Okay, let's make it easier than this. Uh, Texas AM is ranked sixth in the country. Arkansas, a team that beat them last year, yeah. is ranked number 19. And really, the only player that they lost, and I don't know, Traylon Burks is, is really the only player that they lost, but they Catalan's back. Yeah. Right? KJ Jefferson, their quarterback's back. They went and replaced Traylon Burks with one of the best receivers out of the Big 12. And uh, Jaden Hazelwood uh, from Cedar Grove in Atlanta, but right. was one of the top receivers in the country. He's in Arkansas now. Like, Arkansas, bumper pool's still there. Like, they've got a damn good defense. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas's still there. And this is a team that. They, what beat them by 10 beat them by double digits in Dallas last year mm-hmm. they held them to 10 points right and we're, we're talking about Texas Am as a top six team Kentucky is ranked 20th which I will say this great stat uh Kentucky this is the first time they've been ranked in the preseason top 25 since the Jimmy Carter Administration so we're excited about that Kentucky comes in at 20 sure. I think that's disrespectful as hell to Kentucky but it's it, yeah. is a
1: very rare moment for yeah. for me to agree with you too cuz Kentucky's normally one of the schools like I'm ragging on when yeah. I talk about the SCC but like no that's very well deserving. I think they should be higher like you're talking about and and like you said you get into these comparisons and it's like you see 6 against 20 and you think wow that that's probably going to be a two touchdown win for the for the 16 or, or whatever but like no. In that game, I I would probably guess that one's going to come down to the wire yeah. when they play. I, so I,
0: I look at this, and I don't think Texas A&M is going to be a bad team. Sure. Do I think no. they're going to be one of the top 10 teams in the country? No. And Again, they don't have a game-changing quarterback. Yep. So say what you will about their lines of scrimmage. They should be good along the defensive front, even though they did lose a couple of big-time pieces uh, on the interior of that defensive line. But they do have some four or five stars who have some experience from last year. Uh, they got, I think, three guys – who over the past couple of seasons were all SEC freshmen that should be stepping into bigger roles and should be good. Uh, They have a cornerback by the name of Antonio Johnson who probably is going to be a first-round pick, and the secondary has some experience, but also just a ton of young dudes that you're counting on going, check, 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 good, 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 for you to be what you want to be.
1: Yeah. Whereas that's not always that's not the gonna teams happen.
0: that you're projecting yourself as can go. Okay, he didn't work. Switch. Yeah. Right. Georgia. Uh. I think, what in the national championship you move Jamari Sawyer to right guard and you bring in a young dude and Broderick Jones to play left tackle in the national championship against Alabama. Right. Right. Like that's what you have to do to be at the level that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So I Texas A&M's fine. I just do not see them as one of the top 10 teams in the country. And I think it's going to be that way until this defensive line proves it can be a Clemson-esque or a Georgia-esque defensive line yeah. and you get a good quarterback. Yeah, Because Haynes King has proven absolutely zero. Max Johnson has proven absolutely zero. Again, Anaya Smith, Nevin A. really good players. Game-breaking players. Who's getting on the ball? Yeah. Like, I would say this. I don't think any of the quarterbacks they have right now are better than Kellen Mond.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, and, and if so, I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen anything to show it what, yet. What was it like when Kellen Mond was there? Eight, yeah. nine win team. Right? Last year going into the season, like, Haynes King was supposed to be, let's not forget, like Haynes King was supposed to be, all right, that's that's their guy. There was a little bit of a battle. and But by week two or three, he's already out. Like, he he's already lost the job. And let's not forget, too, like, what's glaring to me is not only those question marks that you're talking about. This is a team that last year, when all else failed, relied on its defense and its running game. And their best, like, his name is slipping my mind right now, but their best running back... Spiller? Yeah, who they they relied on for so many years, is gone. He's in the NFL. So, like, you you can't... Sure, they, they might have some other guys to turn to... But are they going to be as good as him? Are they going to be able to carry the same workload? And honestly, you're the most
0: efficient so. slash best quarterback who, like, he played out of his mind in one game. Yeah. And then for the rest of it, he was pretty <laughs> average. Zach Calzada. Yeah. He's gone.
1: He's, he's out of here. He's at Auburn, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, I, I guess I'll finish my thought with this. You're going to see a lot of lists. Uh, ESPN put one out today. I think it was Chris Lowe uh, who wrote it. And Chris Lowe is an outstanding author, but I think he's, he's falling for the trap that everyone else is falling for, which is Nick Saban hurt Jimbo Fisher's feelings. And Jimbo Fisher said this. He was at SEC Media Days, and he was sitting down with Marty and McGee, and they asked him, like, what was it about what Nick Saban said that riled you up the most? And he was like, I don't know. I, I think the word that he used. And they're like, what he said? Like It's like he got ticked off about a word. Yeah. Right? Everyone's falling into the trap of thinking... This is going to make Texas A and M want to go into Tuscaloosa, which probably going to be a three thirty kick. If I had to guess, if not like an eight o'clock primetime kick like they did last time, but if Texas A and M has a couple losses going into that, it's, it ain't going to be. But this game, Alabama is going to decapitate Texas A and M. Like I cannot, if I had to hammer a bet right now, Alabama wins this one by three four scores. Right, like they're going to eviscerate. Texas A&M. Nick Saban, because he shows no signs of trying to retire, like this dude is as invigorated as we've ever seen him, right? Uh, Look at what he could do with this. Number one, he can shut up everybody from the offseason taking a team that is just a lethal weapon that this Alabama team is. You can shut up everybody from the offseason that came at you with hate about the Texas A&M stuff, right? But also I, I will say this, if there is a program that you could potentially be worried about, especially in the new era of college football, overtaking you if you're Alabama in your own division, it's Texas A&M because oil money don't run out. Mm-hmm. Right? You, If you want to go buy players, they can do it as much as anyone. If it was a wide receiver coach or running back coach or somebody, they caught him on camera when they had recruits out there and he pointed up at the boxes and he says, those guys are the ones who pay you. Like It's just like, it's... It's facts. Yeah. And so if there is one program that could potentially come up and use an influx of money to compete with Alabama, it's Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher is a national champion coach. That being said, I think this is an opportunity where you just any sort of thought of A&M being an up and coming program, you annihilate it, right? You, you, you spray the pest control on it. Yeah. Like Brian, it's, it's just gone. Just bury it as fast yeah. as possible. Yep. And it's just like, and what's the best way to do that? You don't, beat them, and call out the dogs. You embarrass them. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that's more embarrassing. It's like if you're up 35-3 to three in the third quarter and you put in backups. Like Maybe that's even more embarrassing. I don't right. know. But if I could just put a bet down on any game, it's that Alabama is absolutely going to embarrass Texas AM and in this football game. Yeah. And listen, it's not Texas A&M's fault that they are ranked this highly in the preseason that people are sure. falling in love with them. And I get it. Any press is good press. They've stacked some really good recruiting classes. This is not a shot at them as a whole because they're not the ones who rank themselves number six. Just telling you, if you're looking at this and thinking this is going to be a 10, 11 win football team, you're wrong.
1: What's sad is too. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, what's sad about this to me too is now you have all of this, like, especially because I believe the same thing you do with with Nick Saban and with Alabama and just how they're going to approach this this game. Kind of like cut off, cut off the head before it grows, right? So, like, what's frustrating and kind of sad to me is like this is a program that I feel like it's trending in the right direction for sure, and, and is building to be one of these schools that we're talking about, like in in the top echelon of, of college football. But they're not there yet, like, and and that's what's frustrating is. You see something like this start building, everyone jumps on board or hypes them up way too quick, and I feel like you, you either follow that hype or, or then comes a fall. And I feel like we're getting ready for a type of season that could be a fall because of just all of the things we've already talked about with with not having the right guys in the right spot and, yeah. and you know not having experience in the right spot, not having game changers at the right spot. So, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the crazy things about it is this is a team that if you talk to me a year ago I'm like man yeah they're they're two three years away and they could be one of those stalwart top five teams but now it's like six months later people are trying to do that already and that's if they're not ready for that yet like <laughs> and as much as Texas a m fans and Jimbo Fisher and everyone wants them to be there already they're just not there yet yeah and that's okay but you also got to keep the mindset of keep progressing and not try and bust down the door and say, hey, we have arrived, because that's when you turn into Texas. And we all see what happened to Texas. We don't want
0: to turn, don't turn into Texas. We all see what happened to Texas. Yeah, we, you know, we, we don't want to turn into Texas. And, again, just look at what Jimbo Fisher has done since he's been there. 9-4, and 8-5. and five. You had and 9-1 and in 2020. And then last mm-hmm. year, 8-4. and four. You won eight games, right? Yeah. One of those is Alabama, right? And so you are Zach Calzada, like becoming ethereal and like levitating above the field as a God on a broken leg, winning <laughs> that game for you away from being a seven to five football team. Yeah. Like it's, it, it is what it is. Like you, you won eight games last year. and One of them was Alabama. You can't count on Alabama as one of the wins every year. It's crazy. Like, SEC no. East teams look at Vanderbilt. And they're like, check. Yep. Right. All right. We got one. Right? You you can't do that with Alabama. So it's – I feel bad for them because it's not their fault, but also just watching people hype them up, it's going to be tough when the downfall comes. It's 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 going to be tough. Let's take a break. we got more to cover next. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second down on ESPN radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source, Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Continuing. To talk some college football here. Oh, I thought you were. Oh, continuing to talk about the Power Rangers here.
1: Oh, no, not even that, dude. Okay. I, I thought you were just going to be like continuing to Absolutely hate on Texas A&M. Texas A&M.
0: <laughs> just- I don't. Dislike Texas A&M. In the ground. I think they're just as cool as every other eight and four team in the country.
1: <laughs> All right? Couldn't agree more.
0: I man. just I don't love the media and fans around college football hyping them up as a top ten team because they're not.
1: Can you imagine if like you walked up to a Texas and M fan and were like, what record were were y'all last year? Like, you know, we, know? Were, we were against yeah, right. Alabama? Yeah. We were like we were like eight and four. Oh, so you guys are like, I'd say the equivalent equivalent to like like in Iowa. What? How, don't you?
0: We no, finished in the we top 15. We last year.
1: We finished in the top 15. We beat Alabama. Yeah, but like Iowa was like 8-4 and four too. They are every year. So are you guys. And it would blow their minds because like, I don't know, just just because of the, the perception, you know? Yeah, well, it's let's, insane.
0: Let's, let's not get back to that conversation from yesterday because I think – Perception and reality are things that would hurt a lot of college football fans' feelings. <laughs> so true. Like pre- pretty heavily. Very quickly. Um, but another story from ESPN.com. And, again, I think words mean things. Mm-hmm. And so they said, ranking the best college football coaches from national contenders to overachievers. I think that's such an interesting statement. Yep. Because inside college football, Kirby Smart voiced this, was it during the 2020 uh Florida game, or was it during 2021? I think it was last year's Florida game where he was like, you can't beat good recruiting, right? I'd say 70 to 80%, and that might be on the light scale of what it takes to win in college football is being dominant recruiting, right? That is most of it. And then the other 80% is coaching them up and getting them ready to play. Sure. Right, keeping them eligible, getting them ready to play, Developing them, right? But I mean, Bryce Young, we kind of know knew what he was gonna be coming out of high school, yeah, right. Kind of lived up to the hype a little bit, right? Todd Gurley, kind of knew what that dude was gonna be coming out of high school, right? It's just bringing these guys in, talent evaluation. So I, I think it's fair to say, like guys like Trevon Walker, right? Come in, four or five star out of Ups and Lee, everybody knew he was gonna be good, and then he turns out to be just according to the NFL, the best player. Yeah,
1: in right. the country, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think it's an interesting phrase to say. Who is the best coach in college football? Because I think you—it's it, Nick Saban, and then like in the Guinness Book of World Records, like when it's like total book sales, and it's like the Bible on the bar graph, and it's like got a break in it because to show you, like, here's how much, how many more books have been sold that, like of the Bible than of any other book, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's how far and above Nick Saban is to every other coach in college football. Right, so any it's like trying to have a greatest quarterback conversation. Just okay, let's just put Tom Brady out there and then have the conversation from there. Sure. Because Nick Saban is the best at almost everything, right? He's the best at taking what he has and getting the most out of it, which I think is the definition of being a great football coach. Agreed. He's also the best at getting the best available resources yeah. to get the most out of. Right. Right. So that's <laughs> that's a that's, that's a deadly
1: combination. That's how yeah. you
0: become the best head coach of all time right? and the greatest head coach of all time. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, and this had been the knock against him and was the knock against his predecessor would say prior to last year, Kirby smart was underachieving at Georgia. Yeah. Cause you're saying yes, Kirby smart is a national title contender, but you're supposed to be at Georgia. Yeah. Now I'm not saying there's not a lot that goes into that, right? You still have to get the talent and hold off. The, the wolves that are coming in from other states to steal your talent, but you are in the state of Georgia. You're the only real contender for winning championships in the state of Georgia, right? right? You should be competing for national championships every year. So when I see best coach, people are going to go, okay, Nick Salmon, Kirby Smart, Dabo. Sure. Right? And they're just like, okay, I would, honest to God, say what Dabo's done. Not only because he has, what, six more conference titles and one more national championship, but what Davo's done at Clemson is more impressive than what Kirby's done at Georgia. Because what was Clemson before Davo got there?
1: Yeah. He literally took, yeah, he, he took Clemson through the Clemsoning phrase yeah. stage and made something out of it. Like, that's the funny thing is, that I, I know it's but in just the state backing of up South your Carolina, point,
0: not a dominant recruiting yeah, state. Yeah,
1: no, no, not at all. And, like, I, I think that's what's always been the coolest thing for me looking back on what Dabo Swinney has been able to do is he takes over there with a, a decent program, at, an all-right program. You know, they were getting up there. They, they were yeah. winning some, some big games here and there, but not not anything with real consistency. And then you start getting the players in there. They start making electric plays but can't hold on the leads. So then you have the whole Clemsoning phrase, and then out of that comes one of the most dominant college football programs in the country like that scale of of building was amazing so sorry to like no no. jump in there but that's always something I've always kind of been like enamored by and I think a lot of people forget that with with Dabo is he you know the best coach ever or anything like that no no but certainly deserves that kind of respect like I, I feel like what what you said is yeah. Pretty on par there. He he's done an amazing job.
0: Well, Travis Jadon writing in, uh, and I agree with what he says. He says Dabo, both of his national championships, quarterbacks from the state of what? Georgia. Right? What did you do? You took a quarterback into Sean yeah. Watson, who Mike Bobo and Mark Rick said, listen, you're just you're not a fit as a quarterback with us. Right? Okay, I'll go to Clemson and win a national championship. And then he builds the foundation and can go take Trevor Lawrence sure. or everyone else, bring him in there and then win a national championship with him as a freshman. So, I I'd, again, I'd say what Davo has done at Clemson is more impressive than what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia. And I will give Kirby Smart the caveat of Davo does not have to go through Alabama every year to get where he wants to go. Agreed. Like, there yeah. is a distinct possibility that some years, like, hey, I'll make <laughs> it to the college football playoff, and I could potentially avoid Alabama if the team on the other side can knock them off. Right. Yeah. You don't have to get past them in their conference, which is what Kirby Smart has run into a little bit. So, But that being said, I did want to. I kind of put a list together of guys who maybe don't get the credit they deserve and do get the most yeah. out of their talent. Because, like, listen, man, Tulsa ain't going to be able to recruit at the same level as Georgia. Right. They're just not. So when you talk about being a college football coach and being the best coach, I think about guys, and he, he did not go in my top five. But I think about guys like Jamie Chadwell. Right at Coastal Carolina. Sure. You can go out there, you can get the Isaiah Likely's, right? You can get some really good football players that other people kind of looked over, and then you combine all that talent into a system that is creative and people aren't really doing what you're doing. I mean, hell, you got you turned Myrtle Beach for a couple years into one of the powerhouses in college football. Which is nuts. Yeah to say the Chanticleers, Clears, people were actually talking about them. Right. You had to do sports center featured about what a Chanticleer Clear is, right? <laughs> yeah. So with stuff like that. But the list I put together, I feel like, has a good mix of sustainability. But then there's also a couple names on here that I think you should know if you're a college football fan. So I put number one in terms of getting the most out of what he has. And I'm talking about fighting against his administration for resources, right? Playing in a really tough conference against really good football teams year in and year out. And then elevating his team to a a new standard and – He's still having to battle a little bit, the ebb and flow every year when you re- lose those really good players, but that ebb's getting a little bit smaller every single time. I'll go 1-5, to five, but I have Mark Stoops yeah. at Kentucky yeah. as <clears throat> one of the best coaches in college football. Again, I understand the recruiting aspect of it, yep. right? But think about what Kentucky has been in the past. Every now and then, you get one of those like crazy generational quarterbacks, the Jared Lorenzen's in there, the Tim Couch. You get those guys in there, and you're like, Okay, all of a sudden this team's clicking and it's fun and it's winning eight, nine games in a season. Right? Yeah. Mark Stoops, what, four out of the last five years has been playing Georgia late in the season for the SEC East Championship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's unbelievable. Right. Unheard of. The dude beat Florida for like the first time in four decades. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. In the swamp. Did Florida forget to just cover somebody? Yeah. Yep. But you know what? That's football. And all of a sudden, you're looking around the NFL, and you're like, okay, that dude played for Kentucky. Yeah, That dude played for Kentucky. Right. That dude played for Kentucky. Where for the longest time, it was, uh, what's his face, with the Packers, uh, Randall, yeah, Cobb. Randall Cobb. Randall that's it. Cobb was yeah. like, you're like, all right, that's the Kentucky He's guy. He's a poster boy. Yeah, yeah, but outside of that, you're like, eh. But now, all of a sudden, Josh Allen's one of the premier defensive linemen in college football. Will Levis, coming into this season, is arguably a top 15 pick in a lot of people's mock drafts. Uh, and then you have... <laughs> Guys like Benny Snell, who are NFL talents, are running back, So it's just yeah. offensive line has become a pretty big calling card for Kentucky. So Mark Stoops, I think, gets the most out of what he has to offer. And he's to the point where there's another coach at his university clamoring for his resources. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this this past weekend, sure. but John Calipari's pissed off because Kentucky's spending money on the football program, and they're not pouring money into his basketball program. John, I got news for you, dude. Football is the bell cow now. Yep. And it doesn't have to do with how many basketball games you can win. It can do it has everything to do with what that ESPN check looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what ESPN cares about? Football. Yep. And so, football. If you want to if you want to keep your signing bonus, I know you have like the contract until you're dead and resurrected and all of that, but if you want to see increased revenue, I would be saying, "Hey, Mark Stewart's doing a great job. Love football." Cuz you know what? More money for them mm-hmm. means more money for you. And so yeah. I would have zero problem and I would probably shut up if I was John Calapari. Right. Because football is the Bell Cow. And I loved and you have you have coaches at the same school at tweeting each other. Yeah. It's insane. Mark Mark Stoops quote tweeted John Calapari and just said football school.
1: Yeah. It's 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 beautiful, but like you said, it's 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 right. I, I mean at the same time, like John Calapari's going going insane because he realizes what's happening. Like you said, it got news for, for him and, yeah. and everybody. If your school is halfway respectable as football, it's now a football school yeah. with just all the money coming into oh, it yeah. and everything like that. Like that's, that's uh, just how it is. But I wholeheartedly agree with you that I know we're doing a lot of agreeing today, but like, yeah. I think one of the most important things that has been a change with him and with that school is the past 10 to 15 years. And it's, when in in like 2000 whatever they were good you were like all right five years down the road they might be good again
0: and what's funny is and you then, have,
1: that's gotten to four yeah. years and three years and now and it's now down it's just, to like it's basically every a year good team. yeah
0: yeah uh, what's funny is florida state had a chance to at least interview him didn't take it and yeah. now it's to the point where i don't know if anybody's gonna be able to afford to get him away from kentucky could he potentially go to another school that might give him a better chance to win a national championship Sure, but I don't know if anybody's going to be able to afford to pay him more money than Kentucky is just because of that SEC money. So I think Mark Stoops, uh, I'll go through the rest of the list quickly here. I think Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, I mean, sure. you look on the sideline yeah. and you see the players that they're recruiting and the fact that they're actually in some of the games that they're in and every now and then they'll pop up for an 8-9 win season is Sometimes they're in the Big Ten Championship Correct. game. I mean, like, what like, the hell yeah. happened? It's like a fever dream. Uh, I, Dave Clawson, dude's taking for Forest to ACC Championships and making them competitive. Sure, I think that's unbelievable. And then the last two are, the, I just think, names that you need to know. Lance Leopold. He is the head football coach at uh, Kansas. But prior to that, he turned Buffalo into an excellent football school. Was he the coach when Khalil Mack got drafted? I, I don't know because that's been a while ago. That's that was like yeah. eight, nine years ago. A little I'm bit. not sure. But he's tur- he turned them into a 9-10 win football team pretty yeah. consistently there at Buffalo. Uh, and now he's at Kansas. Went 2-10 last year. Is what it is, your first year at Kansas. Kansas, but they beat Texas. There you go. I don't know if that really means anything. The other <laughs> name I'd say you need to watch too, and I think this guy just gets the most out of what he has, which is kind of what we're talking about here, Thomas Hammock. He's the head football coach at Northern Illinois. First couple of years, kind of shaky. Obviously, COVID had something to do with that, and then he went against another third-year coach last year, and Jeff Collins in the first game of the season beat the hell out of him. Yep. And then went 9-5 and five Right. at Northern Illinois last year wild wow. yeah so thomas hammock yeah. lance leopold couple of names you need to know getting the most out of it am i saying they're the best coaches in college football think that is up to what you determine to be what best means sure because again i guess the exercise would be put mark stoops at georgia and say is he maybe doing something similar i'm not saying he is i'm not saying he's not i just think that's the mental exercise that you have to do let's take a quick break we'll come back with more right here on second down Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Carrying on our conversation there from the break, what does your head coach do that just, like, makes you want to throw a remote at the TV? <laughs> yeah. Because PJ saying it's, it's James Franklin's going incommunicado. Sure. Yeah. And standing on the sideline with his arms folded. Well, like... Because I would say the thing that would probably frustrate yeah. me the most about James Franklin is he spams halfback draw.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a that's a big problem. Sure, um, I, I think my yeah, no, my like main argument and problem uh, would would be that exactly is like so many times in James Franklin's like early tenure at Vanderbilt and at at Penn State, it was just pure raw emotion like all the time, and that's what got. People like really behind his case, and then it feel feels like when things shifted, and the the team got better, and the recruits start rec, more recruits started coming recruits, in. You, he you, you had yeah, my my fault. Um, yeah, like the Trace McSorleys and Chris Godwins and Saquon Barkley's coming in and, and doing really good stuff. It's like everything, like it's like he took a step back or something from all that, and he, he's acting more. I say it all the time. I'm sorry, but like trying. He acts more like a CEO than anything else. Like he, he puts the mic down to yell when there's like a missed kick or something, and then he puts the mic back up, and in like every pressure situation or like high emotion situation where normally it would be or in the past, it would be like invigorating, like passionate James Franklin. Right now it's muted headset, arms crossed. I'm angry. Don't talk to me. And I'm standing by myself, James Franklin. And that's been like the past four or five years, Love and it's though. it's insanely frustrating. Like I'll, I I want to see that passion again, whether it be negative or or positive, right? Like yeah. whether it be arguing about something so with. I think, or, I think
0: James Franklin is interesting because could he be one of the cases of excellent coach able to get the most out of what he has, but potentially not the best recruiter slash talent evaluator?
1: What's weird because the recruiting cl- like his recruiting has been actually really solid.
0: So like, well, I think kind of what we were talking about with Michigan the other day, like, pretty solid's a lot different than elite. I don't know. I, and like, if you're at a school at Penn State, that's when you compete for Big Ten championships.
1: It it depends on how how you view them, I guess. I
0: because like I said, we I, about, I have said when like, he was at Vanderbilt, dude won nine games.
1: He did. He did. And he brought a lot of those assistants and a lot of those coaches with him from Vanderbilt, and some of them are gone now. A lot of them are gone now. And uh, I've I've said it over the past four or five years uh, other than Brent Pry because I like I really respected the heck out of him I thought he did a lot with that defense now obviously he's at Virginia Tech um I feel like the players have have been on a bet not saying they know more they should lead the team whatever like I'm not advocating for player coaches all right but I feel like if the players are A's and a pluses which I feel like they have been, the coaches are at a B minus and it's like. You need those coaches to be the leaders, right? Yeah. You need the. I would almost argue that, like, I'd like the coaches to to be better than the players to a certain extent because you know you can coach them to be better. But just I feel to, like the talent's there; it's just not getting used right.
0: Just to recap, PJ is <laughs> over here clamoring for a head coach Sean Clifford situation. So we got to take a break. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll get you ready for three and out next. You almost killed me. All right, I have a question. how How long do you have to wait? So, like, say your team loses just an incredible football game, like, and it's just it rips your heart out.
1: I was about to say it depends on what side, no, you're rip, on. If it's incredible, out, right? Or not.
0: Your team just loses a great game. So, like, say for example, for me, uh, 2018 SEC Championship, great football game, yeah. Jalen Hurts with the comeback, right? Sure. How many years removed do you have to be before you can go back and watch that and appreciate it? Because I just showed you, I didn't know what it was. It's from 1992, number 20 Boston College against number nine Penn State. I, I was like, know. hey, look at this. It's a quick 30-second highlight of this uh, from College Football Classics on Twitter. And now you're just over here hurt because in 1992, <laughs> Penn State lost to Boston College 35-32. to 32. How many years? Because apparently it's longer than two decades. No, barely it is. Three I decades now. Well, that's
1: the thing. I didn't even know about that pain, and you just gave me it. Sorry. Like it's it's Before new. You were born. Newfound pain. I'll say I still like certain teams. I feel like lose in the dumbest ways. So like Penn State's one of those teams. I <laughs> no, still can't. I
0: think every I, fan says that. Like, about their probably.
1: Team. I still can't go back and and think about that. The HB draw, and that's the one everyone talks oh, about, God, right? Yeah. How many, how, many because it's have, and like,
0: how many of those do you have against Ohio State?
1: We had two in a row those oh. two years. Those two years we lost to Michigan State and Penn, and Ohio State both years. Gross. It's oh. ridiculous. Oh, Speaking of
0: gross. Yeah. Uh, Green out. <laughs> coming up next.
1: Not gross is the Braves' BJ big Bennett, wins, though. Yeah,
0: B.J. Yeah? Bennett, Ben Troop, Kevin Thomas coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. <laughs>